The time has come to get ready for the 2022 World Cup. And what better way to prepare than by revisiting the World Cup's most amazing goals? I'm Brian Phillips. I'm making a podcast about the history of the Men's World Cup, told through the stories of 22 iconic goals. The show's called 22 Goals. It's out now on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we're having so much fun. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100-GAMBLER. Visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome into the Ringer Gambling Show. Austin Gill here with Raheem, the dream caller, our former DJ turned Vegas superstar. I heard you're loving Vegas, man. Vegas is your city. It's your spirit city. Yeah, I mean, it is. I'm actually about to fly back to Philly right now. Uh, I'll probably be back in Philly for, you know, a month, two, maybe three months. Then I'll probably come back to Vegas, you know. So it's like I just I got to take care of some stuff in Philly. I haven't seen the family. Um, you know, it's the holidays coming up. So I'm, I'm go home, refresh, and then I'm probably going to make this move to Vegas because I really love it out here. It's, it's just a great Dude, city. Dude, and you're so close to L.A. I'm living in L.A. now. I'm going to come out to Vegas maybe in the off season. We'll take some futures bets together. And and you, you, I have an air mattress, queen size, with your name on it. I know you're living in the, the Bugatti Lamborghini life, and you probably have a Bugatti air mattress yourself. But <laughs> I got I got something for you if you need to come out to L.A. and make some plays. Um, getting yeah, I, I definitely need to come out to L.A. Yeah. I definitely need the to come out to The office is sick, too. I'm in the office now, uh, the, the Spotify office here in L.A. It, it's awesome. They're, they're, there's coffee on every floor, some snacks. You know, a lot of that stuff that I'm sure you're interested in. Uh, let's get into uh, Las Vegas Raiders and Las Vegas Rams. We were talking before we started recording. Uh, I said, I'm excited for this game. You're like, I'm not. But I'm a Raiders fan. I'm from Oakland. Raiders have a chance, right? They have a chance of making the postseason after beating the Chargers last week. They're 5-7. and seven. I think 538 is giving them somewhere between like an 8 and 10% chance if they win this game. It continues to improve. They're a 6.5-point favorite um, on the road. In Los Angeles, but man, Los Angeles is a very big Raiders city, man. Obviously, they played in Los Angeles for a handful of years. They won two Super Bowls in Los Angeles. I, I, I'm looking forward to this one. Raiders are a six and a half point favorite on the road, like I said, and the total set at 44 and a half. Derek Carr is playing some good football right now. Devontae Adams is having like the quietest wide receiver one season I think we've seen in a long time. Uh, and defensively, last week against the Chargers, it was the best defensive performance I've seen from the Raiders in a very, very long time. 
And Max Crosby was getting after it. Some of that's because of the injuries to the Chargers' offensive tackles. But you also saw Nate Hobbs, uh, a defensive back for them, finally healthy, making some plays. Deron Harmon, veteran safety, making some plays. Is this Raiders team hitting, getting hot at the right time? Maybe too little too late. I'm, I'm really doing recognize that. Maybe the bias is out, and, and I'm still a Raiders fan. Maybe too little too late. But, man, this is a team that's blown three 17-point leads, a lot of one-score losses. It's a fucking good football team. Uh, I think that's a big reason why they're favored here. Not just because the Los Angeles Rams have had a really bad season so much that they had to sign Baker Mayfield uh, uh, a couple days ago. But uh, your, your initial read on this game, and, and I guess am I right to, to view this Raiders team as a, as a hot one going down the stretch? You know, I think it's interesting that you, I mean, you mentioned, you know, the Raiders being a good football team. I mean, last season, this team went 10-7, and seven, Pythagorean expectation of just 6.9 games. This year, they're 5-7 and seven, with the Pythagorean expectation of about six games. So, this team is actually probably better than last year's team. They're just, they had some one-score turnover regression. I mean, unfortunately, not everybody can be the Minnesota Vikings. Um, you know, when I look at this specific matchup, though, I, I think you mentioned a lot of the interesting things when it comes to the Raiders. I mean, their turnaround has been basically defense. I mean, they're finally being able to rush the passer. Um, and if they can rush the passer and, and Max Crosby can come alive, then, you know, they kind of can beat every anybody. Because, I mean, right now, Josh Jacobs is just, I mean, he's hes absolutely dominant on the ground right now. And, and, you know, Devontae Adams continues to be Devontae Adams. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's missed in Green Bay. Um, um, you know, they're kind of holding out hope that Darren Wilder and Hunter Renfro will return for week 14. But, I mean, they're still working their way out. But I, I think, I mean, when it comes to this matchup, I just think they have, I mean, a huge edge over this Rams team. I mean, like, whether it's, I mean, who is going to be starting at quarterback in this matchup? Is it um, um, Baker Mayfield? Is it John Walford? Is it Bryce Perkins? I mean, this this Rams team right now, they're, I mean, I think before before the Stafford injury, they were handed off in like, 30, um, like 36% of snaps, which was the fourth lowest in the league. Now they're basically handing the ball off on like 50% of snaps right now. So it's, it's just I don't know if that's going to work here. And it's just this has – this has – Raider blowout written all over that, it. And it also has like an under. One, music to my ears. Two, that, that has me excited to take them at six and a half. I know they're a, a popular teaser leg listening to uh, Bill and Cousin Sal on, uh, on Bill's podcast on Monday. They talk about that six and a half point line looking at a teaser opportunity and maybe people being let down by Josh McDaniels again. But I like them as a six point teaser. I like them as a five point teaser if you're getting five point teasers. This is from Bill Williamson. Uh, according to Vivid Seats, 63% of the tickets bought for this game on Thursday night, our Raiders fans. Like I said, this is going to be going to be a lot of Raiders fans in the stands. Uh, there's a shot. That's what uh, I think uh, Sean McVay said. There's a shot Baker Mayfield plays. I think it's more likely that John Wolford suits up. But it doesn't matter, right? If Baker Mayfield plays, I think this is bigger blowout. You know, having just had the playbook on a short week, I don't know. I, I would be really nervous <laughs> to see what this offense looks like with Baker Mayfield at the helm, having little, little time to practice with this team, learn the playbook, etc. I think Wolford ultimately starts. But even if Wolford starts, this offensive line has been bad since the jump, dude, and they've suffered injuries. I think that Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, feast on this offensive line, similar to how they did against a Chargers team that doesn't take a lot of sacks. Yes, the offensive line has been bad, but Herbert, so far this year, has been a quarterback that has really thrived in terms of avoiding sacks, getting the ball out, and I think the Raiders did a good job of suffocating him inside the pocket, defensive backs making more plays. I, every, every, every data point I look at, I see this Raiders team undervalued and getting hot at the right time. And now... Not even a you know a two possession or a better than a seven point favorite over a bad, bad like Rams team that is essentially in a lot of ways just kind of folding on the season right. Matthew Stafford on the injured reserve, Aaron Donald on the injured reserve, Cooper Cup on the injured reserve, 
Allen Robinson just signed Baker Mayfield off the, you know, uh, off the waiver. Like that, in my opinion, is a as big of a white flag as you can see. Whereas the Raiders, again, outside looking in, probably too little too late, there is a world where they make the playoffs, right? If the Jets drop a game or um, you know, uh, other top-seeded teams in the AFC start to lose. And like, you have, in my opinion, an opportunity now against a bad Rams team with a favorable schedule down the stretch. The Raiders' schedule to start the season was tough. Down the stretch, a lot easier than it was to start the season. I don't know, man. I think there's, a li- there's life here. And with life, I think Derek Carr gets up. Derek- Devontae Adams gets up. They are 3-0. and since Derek Carr got emotional at that press conference, right? And after they lost to the Indianapolis Colts and Jeff Saturday, like they have found a way to rally the troops here. And they're just as talented as they were week one, man. They were just as talented as they were week one with Devontae Adams, Derek Carr. Yes, the offensive line is concerning, but they have Max, you know, they have Max Crosby. I, I, I'm a big fan of this, of this Raiders team at six and a half uh, in this spot. Any, any, any view on the total here? Total set at 44 and a half. I initially looked at that as low, but I don't think I just, it's going to be hard to count on this Rams team to put up points. Even as bad as the Raiders defense has been with, with, with uncertainty and injuries at quarterback, I, I worry. I think this is under, I'm going to be honest with you. I just, I, I just think the Rams, they run the ball so much. And I mean, I just, like, I know the, the, the Raiders have put up 27 and 37 points the last two weeks. Uh, but I just think the way they're running the ball is, is just, I mean, so solid. And I just, I don't see a lot of points from this Rams team. So I'd be looking under. I don't have an official play mm-hmm. on it. I, I think if you're going to play anything, you got to play the Raiders here. But I mean, like, I don't even know if there's a ton of value because we know that the Rams are bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a lean to me. I think this would probably be like, you know, if, if you have a girlfriend, you got um, for the woman listen, you got a boyfriend, you got a husband, you got a wife. This this should be date night. I'm gonna be honest, with you, unless you're a Raider. <laughs> I love that <laughs> calling out here on the Ringer Gambling Podcast. Raheem is saying, "Dude, spend this one with your partner. <laughs> spend spend this night with your partner. Uh, p- punt on Thursday night football this week." I'm not doing that. I'm here in Los Angeles. I'm gonna be excited. Maybe I should have bought tickets this game. I bet you they're cheap. I might look into it. I might look into yeah, it. Yeah, I, I bet you they I are. I might cheap. look into it. I might look into <laughs> it. That'd be you know. I think Bill Williams said obviously from Vivid Seats, sixty three percent of Raiders fans. I'm gonna. I, I might move it to sixty four just by myself. I don't know how many people are gonna be in attendance for this game, but I'm gonna look at tickets. I mean, SoFi Stadium. Maybe I can find someone to go with me. Now I'm starting to think about it. But um, shoot, I mean, if, if I if I was still on the West Coast, I would I was I would drive over there. You there. Go. I would definitely drive go. over there. There you go. There you go. Looking at some of the player <laughs> props in this game, I think it's a yeah. You know, we we always do that um, when previewing the, the, the island spots as we do every single week, the Thursday night games. The Devontae Adams total, I think, is too high. He's going to get the Jalen Ramsey treatment. Jalen Ramsey didn't follow DK Metcalf, but I, I still think that he's going to get the you know the Jalen Ramsey treatment when he is lined up on that side. Mac Hollins at 45 and a half, though, I kind of like. I like Mac Hollins at 45 and a half. He's easily the number two target, especially with Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro out, heads of Hunter Renfro plays. And then I think in the rushing props, jo- Josh Jacobs is at 89 and a half, which... I don't know. I, I think that this Rams defensive line is obviously taking a step back without Aaron Donald. The, the, these high, when you have like wide receiver ones and running back ones, high prop totals, I, I, I worry about you know, taking the overs in those. I look at you know, secondary players more often on the prop lines. Any, any props stand out to you? I was, you know, we, we, we hit on some touchdown scorer props and, and some first-time touchdown scorer props some points of the season, but I don't have a heavy lean in the prop market either. Yeah, I, I don't have much here. Um... You know, maybe you take a shot on the Vegas defense scoring plus four ten. <laughs> um, if you just want to throw in a, a crazy flyer, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not really crazy about anything to be honest. Not enough people look at the uh, touchdown score defense prop. That that's one that could be uh, quite the treat. I think that Amir Abdullah plus two hundred anytime touchdown score. They've been going to him way more often 
than I thought in these passing situations. I wouldn't be surprised for him. And then Foster Moreau also at plus 200. Those are two players that if you don't, if you want to avoid heavy favorites, Devontae Adams is minus 155. Josh Jacobs is minus 145. I don't think there's value there. But I think Foster Moreau, Amir Abdullah, I t- probably take a Moreau over Abdullah if you're keen on building out some same game parlays on FanDuel or looking at first time touchdown score, or not first time, anytime touchdown score props there. Could even look at the two touchdown stuff. I think this is going to be a blowout for our, our, I'm going to say it, Raheem, our Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think this is definitely a blowout. I just think, I, I, look, I think, you know, the Rams, they played, they played such a tough emotional game against the Seahawks. And they were in that game with, um, with chances to win. And I think that was their Super Bowl. Um, So I, I think you get a real big letdown spot here from the Rams. So. I like you're a Vegas guy now too, man. You're moving to Vegas. You're you're gonna settle down there. You're gonna have kids there. I know it. I can see it. I can see five, 10, 15 years down the future. You're gonna have it. So you're a Raiders fan in heart as well. But uh, Raheem, always a pleasure. Now let's bring in. Uh, yeah, I could never be a Raiders fan with the way my Dallas Cowboys are playing right now. Fair. We look like the. Be- I, I mean, outside of the Eagles, we look like the best team in the NFC. And the way our defense is playing, I don't know. I got a feeling. Dude, I, I got a feeling. Uh oh. We might be going to Raheem's the Super Bowl. in Vegas laying I, down really freaking Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl props. I can smell it from here. Um, I mean, I've, I've said it weeks ago on the East Coast Bias show. I felt like the Cowboys were probably one of the best teams in the NFC. I said it on Twitter. I got a lot of criticism. But I mean, like, outside of the Eagles, there's nobody who scares me. And when I looked at that first Eagles game, I saw the way the Cowboys came back. And if that can just. You know, avoid turning the ball over. We scary. <laughs> I'm uh, I, 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 you know, I was talking to Warren Sharp about the Cowboys, or I think I was talking to even Jason Goff on the Ringer NFL show about the Cowboys, and he mentioned that, you know, the Eagles in the tr- or, or the Cowboys in the trenches, I think, are you know one of the better teams in the NFL. I think the Eagles are the only one that can go toe to toe with them in the NFC. And now with Jimmy Garoppolo out, obviously with the San Francisco 49ers, maybe he comes back for the divisional round, the championship, of the Super Bowl. But I, I, I think that. This Dallas Cowboys team, man, since Dak Prescott's come back, 35 points per game. A lot of that coming in the fourth quarter against the Indianapolis Colts, where they absolutely trounced Jeff Saturday's Colts. But this Cowboys team is legit. I'm back in the Raiders, though, this week. I like Raiders. Uh, uh, I'm excited that you're in Vegas now. I'm excited that over time you will become a Raiders fan, and as will your family. So I'm looking forward to that. But um, <laughs> that's going to do it for the Thursday night no preview. Doubt. Let's bring in Roger Sherman. We're talking Army-Navy. Yeah, we're going to spend a lot of time on Army-Navy. And then we're also going to bring up uh, some early college football playoff lines. Look at that Michigan TCU and Georgia-Ohio State. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. 
So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. The Raj father is in the building, ready to rip it up here as we preview the college football slate. Not a lot of games being played this weekend, obviously, as we as we go into bowl season, but it's America's game. Uh, I was thinking about opening up this part of the podcast with the Pledge of Allegiance, but I wasn't sure uh, if I could even recite it. And I haven't probably recited it since uh, since elementary school, but we got Navy Army this week. Army. I was thinking we could do the ahead. Top Gun song, but that would probably be like a pro-Navy bias, which I guess we'll see who we pick. True. I uh, Navy is a two-and-a-half point favorite. I think the line has bounced around from one-and-a-half to two-and-a-half. Fandle right now has... Navy minus two and a half at minus 112. Maybe some more money being poured on Navy. Total set at 32 and a half. And that's usually where a lot of the conversation... (laughs) That's usually where a lot of the conversation goes with the the inaugural... Or not the inaugural, but the annual Navy-Army game. The the under his hit in academy games. So not just Navy-Army, but like all academy games. Where it's Air Force, Navy, Army, Air Force, all those things. The under is 42, 9, and 1 since 2005. Yeah, 42, buddy. 9, and 1 since 2005. It's the greatest the total- tra- tread to gambling. <laughs> we talked really about is. this earlier in the year uh, for the Army Air Force game where mm-hmm. the total was set at 40 and the final score was 13 to 7. Did not come close. No. Did not, did come, not come close. close. So this is the greatest trend in gambling and it hit for me earlier this year. It also hit during the Navy Air Force game earlier in the year. So that's two-thirds of the Commander in Chief trophy. But man, I feel like the market has adjusted to that because I saw this at 33 and a half. It's now at 32 and a half. That is low, 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 low. That is incredibly low. And the amazing thing is it can still hit. It's hit the of course last two it can years. Still hit. Of course it's it can hit, still hit. The last two years, they have gone under 30 points in this game. I don't, even, I don't even think the American pastime is watching Army-Navy. It's rooting for the under. It's literally become rooting for the under. And, I don't, you know, there's there's reason. There's always going to be reason to maybe back the over. I know Army this year has had a, a lot of success running the football. Obviously, that's what they do. These are the two most running teams yep. in FBS. Um, I believe Navy runs 89% of the time and Army <laughs> runs 87% of the time. Yeah, the only other team even in close and that is Air Force. Like the academies run the football, they yep. run the triple option, they want to pound the rock. The defense for Army, and I think that's why they're not favored in this game, is worse than what the midshipmen have put out this year. I think Army's defense has been a problem. Now they've been able to score, and I think the offense for Army is a lot better and even better than what, what Navy has had, more explosive. I think they lead the FBS in yards before first contact per attempt. Army's run game is getting 3.1 yards before first contact per attempt this year. That's most in the in the in college football by a significant margin. Navy isn't in that category. They've only had, I think, on um, 9% of their runs this season, Navy has gained more than 15 yards. I think Army is closer to 14, 15%. Like the better offense is Army. The better defense is Navy. Yes. And I find myself wanting, knowing that these games are close every year, knowing that Army, who was favored heavily last year, lost 17-13. I like Army on the money line at plus 114. I like Army plus two and a half. I like taking the dog in this spot. I think Army has a better offense. And in the game where it's going to be close, I like the team that can score. I mean, I think Army is a better team than Navy. Uh, I was really surprised to see them as the underdog. 
Uh, the thing is, Navy has closed really strong. Navy just two weeks ago had a game against Notre Dame, really good team, uh, and it was 35-32. was a three-point game. They beat UCF the week after that, uh, a team that was one of the better uh, group of five teams in the sport. So, you know, after starting the year, they lost to Delaware, which is not even an FBS team. Like, Navy really looked at the beginning of this year like they were going to be very bad and they've closed strong, but I'm still with you on Army. And, I mean, the thing about it is not just that they run. Like, they run in every game. And, you know, like I said, two weeks ago, Navy played a game that was 35-32. The scores can get high in a game that these two teams, in a game that one of these two teams plays. But when both of them are playing each other, and they are both running the same offense, and it's the offense they play against in practice every day, and it's the game they've been thinking about all year long that they've been practicing for for two weeks because neither of them was playing last time conference championship week, that they already practiced for the offense of their games against Air Force. It's like such a perfect storm of the under. And Absolutely. Even, even at this ridiculously low number, 32.5. Let's look at their recent games here. Last year, 17 to 13 Navy. That is 30 points. The year before that, 15 nothing Army. That is obviously 15 points. I don't need to do the math there. Um, two years before that, 17 10, 27 points. The year before that, 14 13, 27 points. It can go under 32.5. And we as a nation. We'll be sitting here and rooting for our brave future soldiers to score maybe three touchdowns. Four, I four am, is getting close. I, I, I'm obviously on the under. I don't even think betting analysis is necessary. I think going back to the Army-Navy game this year, November 5th, or not, I'm sorry, not Army-Navy, Army-Air Force, Army lost 13-17, total of 20. And... You know, you could say a lot about Army defense has struggled against teams that don't run the triple option this year. UTSA put up 41 on them. Coastal put up 38. Wake Forest put up 45. They, they, their defense has struggled, but it's incomparable, right? You can't just like, you can't even compare games where Army is going against Coastal or Wake Forest. Like, the only game you can look at and actually evaluate this defense versus what Navy will yeah. have is the Air Force game. And obviously, Air Force only scored 13 in that one. Now, Army didn't have the success that they needed to have against Air Force, and Air Force's defense stepped up. But I like the under. I think that the under is going to hit as it has for what forty two nine and one between academies. And I like Army on the money line. The, the spread is tough. Over yeah, yeah, percent over eighty percent. I, I think that Army is the money line bet. I think Army against the spread, and I like the under. I think uh, that's not to throw shade at Navy, but this is also a revenge spot because last year they were supposed to win. They were heavy favorites last year. Army was, and now Navy getting two and a half. I think that or, or Army catching two and a half. I, I like Army in this spot. Every every game they play against each other has like some sort of meeting that the rest of college football doesn't have. You know, mm -hmm. like it's a rivalry game because they because Army lost last year. But even if it even if it wasn't, you know, even in the times when Navy had won this game like 15 years in a row, uh, like you still knew that this was the most important game for both of these teams, and it always will be, and. I, I, I'm with you on arm. Art, have you, have you said whether you're joining me on the under? 
I am. I know I'm the under. I'm with you on the Let's under go. as well. Let's go. Can't wait. <laughs> under three, two and a half. Army on the money line at plus 115, plus 114 in some spots. And I'm taking Army against the spread as well, plus two and a half. I also wanted to preview the college football playoff with you. It's our first opportunity to talk college football playoff. There are early lines out. Obviously, those games aren't happening until New Year's Eve, December 31st. But lines are out. TCU, Michigan. I saw that line open up at nine and a half. It's now down to seven and a half. TCU is a seven and a half point dog in that semifinal. And then Ohio State versus Georgia. Ohio State's only a six and a half point dog. You could get Georgia under the key number seven as a favorite against Ohio State. Ohio State obviously lucked in to getting into the college football playoff without playing in the Big Ten Championship because USC completely bottled it against Utah. But your early reactions to both these lines, Michigan a seven and a half point favorite and Georgia now a six and a half point favorite. Am I a loser or a dummy for going with the favorite on both of these? Like, I mean, first of all, all due respect to our beloved TCU Horned Frogs. Let's bust out the boys two men. We're at the end of the road. I, I feel like the fact that they've made it to the playoff is incredible. Max Duggan last week in that incredible championship game is, even though they lost, was like a legendary defining performance. He had like 90 rushing yards on the final drive of the game. And he was bleeding out of every single part of his body. Um, and then they <laughs> lost. And then they lost in overtime. And, uh, but this Michigan team has won every game and won every game by a lot. And this TCU team has a loss. And they have not been winning games by a lot. I, I, I think that I, the biggest difference for me for, is the trenches. I to see it come down. I think the biggest difference for me is the trenches. You know, I, I think Michigan could win the Joe Moore Award again. That'd be back-to-back years where their offensive line is you know, named the top offensive line in college football. And Donovan Edwards, who has been running the ball in place of Blake Corum, who's been injured and, and handing out turkeys, he has been awesome specifically in the second half. So you look at Ohio State, came out in the second half and was just running all over Ohio State. And then you look at TCU, or not TCU, Purdue in the Big Ten title, not necessarily bottled up in the first half, but still in the second half, he just unleashed it. Just absolutely unleashed against Purdue. I think the run game gets better as it goes on. It's a tougher football team. I think multiple people have saw that and called that out against Ohio State. You call that out against Purdue. It is a very, very physical, tough football team. And as tough as Max Duggan is, and I think that was one of the, one of the more entertaining drives of football I've ever seen this college football season, where Duggan was like single-handedly willing TCU back into that game. I still feel Michigan has the edge with Donovan Edwards, has the edge in the trenches, and... What's I think an under-discussed part of like early lines with the college football playoff is these teams don't play any other teams for a month. Like you have a month to prepare for TCU. And I give the edge over Sonny Dykes, I give the edge to Jim Harbaugh. Him Harbaugh, as they say. I think he, with a month to prepare, can be an absolute monster in the game planning process to go against this TCU team, who admittedly has a tough quarterback, who admittedly we've been on all season. But I just think it's a different it's just like la- it's not that dissimilar to last year to where like, yeah, Jim Harbaugh had know all the time in the world to prepare for Georgia. But when you watch that game, game plan or not, it doesn't matter. Like, you just don't have the players to do it. Like, you don't have the dogs to get open. You don't have the dogs to win in the trenches. And you just saw Georgia beat up on that Michigan team. I think it was an eight-and-a-half-point dog, and they didn't even cover that. This one, I feel similarly, but the other way around, right, where Michigan objectively is the more talented football team in the key areas to win in this. And I think they have the game-planning edge with Harbaugh. I like them at um, minus seven-and-a-half. I don't normally tease college football, but you could tease this essentially in a five-point or uh, six-point teaser, getting them down to two-and-a-half to one-and-a-half. But I really like Michigan to win that football game. As high as I've been on our frogs, I don't think they have that frog in them this week. Or not this week, but this month. 
Yeah, um, I, I was I was surprised to see that number come down. I think you're right about the physicality. I know Donovan Edwards was playing great late in the game because I was sitting on Michigan 16 and a half, and they had no reason to score a final touchdown in that game. And, <laughs> and you know, they did it. They did it for us, but also they did it because Purdue couldn't stop them. You know, they're was no play where they were not just churning up yards and ended up scoring a touchdown just like by default in the closing seconds of the game because there was nothing else for them to do. <laughs> like, Ed's, what are you thinking about? The, the same thing in this Ohio State-Georgia game for me, the physicality. We saw how Ohio State responded when Michigan was physical with them. And, buddy, if you can't handle physical, what the what the hell are you going to do against Georgia, man? Georgia is going to Georgia is going to be as, as physical. You mentioned the Joe Moore Award, by the way, the the best trophy, I I think in uh, of the position awards. It's literally just like a massive trophy that has like five guys in a row. It's like literally a human sized trophy, and the two teams that are up for it are Georgia and Michigan. They are going to kick your asses. Georgia has so many freak athletes on both offense and defense. And then they have Stetson Bennett, who is not. Um, but like just the way they got punched in the mouth and the way Ohio State got punched in the mouth and cowered against Michigan does not give me any faith that they are going to be able to keep it close against Georgia, which is just a brutal team to go against. Just just huge and strong and powerful in every way. Did you see Jalen Carter picking up a human being yes, with one hand yes. like a like a large teddy bear at, at the fair? He picked up Jada Daniels, who's a big guy, and just like held him up with one arm while he was being held. Like, and like put his other hand in the air up, to celebrate the sack. And gave up a number one. He gave up a number one because like, I mean... That was one of the craziest plays I've ever seen in a football game. And I'm, you know, pretty soon that'll that could be CJ Stroud up there getting getting hoisted aloft by one of Jalen Carter's two arms. I, I worry about the physicality as well. Like I mean, you saw that in Ohio State, Michigan, specifically in the second half. Like they yep. there are teams that are more physical, and you can see that specifically in the second half that wear on opposing defenses and even opposing offenses. I thought Michigan's defense started to play better in the second half against Ohio State as well. Like that to me, watching two CJ Stroud versus Michigan games now, one in Ann Arbor, obviously last year where they lost, and now in Columbus they lose again. That, to me, in those two games specifically, you saw the fragility of like how quickly he can get rattled and how quickly he went under pressure. Some of the offense starts to devolve. And I think that going against Georgia, it's only going to get worse. This is one of the best defenses in the country. Yes. Oh. I want to bet Ohio State is a dog because I believe in this offense. It's one of the top offenses in college football. But, man, I just don't think it's a good matchup for them. I don't think that... Georgia in any way, shape, or form is going to get out game plan. I talk about the coaching edge that Jim Harbaugh has over TCU. I am all in on Georgia, which is still, it feels stupid. It feels stupid to back two favorites, right? Especially with money coming in on TCU and, and the number going down to nine and a half. But like, you're going to give me Georgia at six and a half against an Ohio State team that thought they were out and now they're back in. I, I don't know, man. I, I, I can't get on board. Also, let's talk about the college football playoff, the history, the history of, of how this generally goes down. This is year eight. 
Mm-hmm. So by there have been two semifinals in each of those eight years. Actually, this is year nine. We've had eight years. We've had 16 semifinal games. Do you know how many of those have been one possession games? That's, a, that's actually a good stat. I don't know. Can you can you remember any of them being one possession games? Can you remember? I don't remember. No, I don't remember any of them being games. close. I don't remember. So, I remember I was yeah. in Seattle for the Bama Washington game, and that one Woo! was like one of the, one of the worst God. one of the worst uh, bar bar experiences. That like everyone's super excited, everyone's decked out in their Washington gear there in Seattle, and like literally like a five minutes in, ten minutes in, it's like oh no, this game's going to be an absolute bludgeoning. It's not even going to be fun. There have been sixteen college football playoff semifinals. The championship games have been often have often been awesome of the 16 semifinals three of them have been one possession games in 2014 ohio state beat alabama 42 35 uh there was the georgia oklahoma rose bowl with baker mayfield that was went into double overtime a classic 54 48 and then there was the game uh between ohio state and clemson in 2019 uh with uh, another classic where that went down to the wire 29 23 part of the reason i'm saying they're all those three games are like classics is because all the other college football playoff games have been blowouts besides those three. So normally what happens is we get to this part of the year and the two teams who are very good win by a lot. And if you ask me, the two teams that are very good this year are Michigan and Georgia. Uh, They're both undefeated. They have both been physically dominant and We've seen the weaknesses of their opponents and their the weaknesses of their opponents play to the strengths of these two teams. So, like, I think these I, I feel good about betting on the favorites and I feel like these games both could be blowouts. And it, it I really don't see. I, I really expect it to be uh, Michigan and Georgia playing in L.A. for the title. And I think that's where the market is as well. Obviously, with you know Georgia favored by six and a half, and you have Michigan favored by seven and a half. Um, you know there are some look ahead lines out there. Uh, if TCU does get to the big dance against Georgia, they'd be according to Vandal a sixteen and a half point dog. I think that could more more money could come on Georgia if TCU somehow finds a way to play Georgia in the final. And then, but looking at the more like realistic matchups, I, I think that it's, it's more likely it's either Ohio State Michigan or Michigan Georgia. Ohio State Michigan. The look ahead line is. Ohio State by three and a half, and then Michigan Georgia. The look headline right now is Michigan plus eight and a half. That if it's Michigan Georgia and Michigan's an eight and a half point dog again, and you see them get blown out again, that's going to be just a tough, tough realization of it means more. The SEC means more. Georgia football means more because getting blown out back to back with your best team in the Big Ten, obviously being Michigan this year and Michigan last year, as eight and a half point dog, I, that's just going to be a tough realization for the Big Ten and tough realization for Michigan as well. I am going to be straight up mad. Like, if Ohio State plays Michigan in the national championship game and wins. Same, like, same. <laughs> like, I, I really don't have anything against Ohio State as a team. When they played Michigan a few weeks ago, I picked them. I, I, I believed in this team. I just don't like the idea that you could lose a game and lose a game like that. The way that they lost, just getting touchdowns, just play after play after play going for 70 80 yards just getting crushed just getting whooped just getting beaten it doesn't make sense to me that you can have a chance to redeem yourself from that i believe in a college football where getting your ass kicked means that team's better than you and if ohio state does manage to regroup 
and beat Michigan. It'll be a redemption story for them. And it will hurt my soul as a college football fan. Man. Um, I, can I can I close the podcast with some news? Just drop a bomb on you real quick. Let me hear it. I know you're writing a piece on this or have finished a piece on this. According to Larry Fitzgerald Sr., <laughs> which um, number one news breaker, Larry Fitzgerald Sr., Mike Zimmer is going to be Deion Sanders' defensive coordinator at Colorado. Wow. He's, <laughs> that would be he's made some like, good hires, man. He's, right? He's, I he got a, he got, um, I think the head coach from Kent State is his OC and yeah. former NFL head coach is his defensive coordinator. Man, they are. Like, Dude, I think Zimmer could get in his bag at Colorado, man. I think Zimmer, I mean, he is a very talented defense coach, very talented defensive mind. And there was that viral, just really quickly on Deion Sanders, there was that like kind of viral um, initial speech he kind of gave to the Colorado players where he talked a lot about, you know, getting into the transfer portal, bringing in some new talent and changing the program. And he's building a, you know, best in class coaching staff. I mean, some of this stuff is making sense. I know a lot of what he said was condescending to some of the players that were there. And, and, and I think um, maybe viewed the wrong way in terms of like how you're talking to like other kids at the Colorado program, but he's doing what you kind of have to do to take a doormat of a program out of the depths of hell and, uh, you know, add legitimate talent, and add uh, legitimate coaching staff. I mean, the thing he did at Jackson State is incredible. And it feels to be like proof of concept that this guy can come in. Dion, Coach Prime, can come in and turn around a program in two years and make it a national story, make it a place where four and five-star recruits are coming. You know, I uh, I asked uh, Bill Connolly about this on Twitter the other day because I was fascinated by the idea. Uh, if like this year's Colorado team, the 2022 version that went one and 11 and was losing games by like 30, 40 points played against this year's Jackson state team, the one that had all the five-star recruits and went 12 and out in the SWAC, who do you think would be favored? I don't know. That's a tough game to handicap. I don't know. I don't know. No, it's not buddy. Jackson state would be favored by like a touchdown. <laughs> Man, that is uh, <laughs> Jackson that's a wild time awesome this year but it's just like so clear to me that he has what it takes and i was i was surprised that he didn't get hired um like i'm excited for colorado and they should feel awesome about it but like i'm a little bit surprised uh he, he probably should be the head coach at auburn and i feel like that's a missed opportunity they'll they'll feel pretty dumb about in a couple of years all right. Well, got some Deion Sanders talks, some early college football lines. It'll be interesting to see where that ends up. I know the next episode, we're going to look at a bigger bowl game extravaganza. Hell I think yeah. bowl games Love are played all. Bowl betting, baby. Bowl betting season. Going to be quite the treat. But until next time, it's been Asa Gale, Roger Sherman, the Big Nerd Gambling Show. Yeah.